So welcome to volume three. Remember, because of Shavuot, we went ahead to chapter nine. Now we're going to come back to chapters, chapter seven, which is the very beginning of volume, uh, volume three. So we are in page 76b2, the beginning of the chapter eight, chapter eight. Amoitzi, so this uh, Mishnah goes back to liabilities of amounts of food. If somebody takes out food on Shabbos, what is the amount for him to be liable? Now we're going to speak about liquids. So says the Mishnah, Amoitzi yain. How much wine, if you take to a public domain, a person would be liable? Enough to mix a cup with it. So if you remember from Rachot, in those days, people would dilute wine with water. So the mission is telling you, if you bring out the, the undiluted amount of wine, that then when you mix it, is enough to drink a cup, then you'll be liable. The, the, the Gemara the first thing of the Gemara, to let us know how much. Second thing, cholav. We're speaking about kosher milk, uh, Max. This is the milk that you watch. This is Jewish milk, okay? Kosher milk. Kedei gemia. Enough for a swallow. So this is uh, this is melug. Uh, this is a chickful. Okay, of milk. Dvash, honey, al akosis, to place on a sore. So, is either dealing with an animal's sore that you would put some honey or even a person's sore? The Gemara is going to go into that. Oil, shemen, enough to anoint a small limb. Again, the Gemara is going to clarify the amount. Maim, water, enough to mix an eye salve. So, kilor, we're going to see that in the Gemara. It was like a substance that you would mix it with a liquid and you can apply it like in your eye or something as a refua, as a healing. But any other liquids, beer, coke, it's only a revis. Why? Because the revis is the equivalent when it comes to liquids of a minimum amount for people to drink. And also the whole shovchim berevis. All waste water, the Gemara is gonna clarify also what does that mean. Also the signs of a revis. This is the first opinion, the Tanakama. But Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon disagrees. And he holds Kulamerevis, all the minimum amounts that we saw at the beginning, and specifically according to Rashi, looking in the footnote, we're talking about wine, about milk, about um, also the third one says Rashi. One second, you can do in the footnotes. Yain Chalav Vedvash. Wine, milk, and honey. According to him, Revis. So they're explaining it like this. 
ולא נאמרו כל השירים הללו, אלא למצניין. According to רבי שמעון, all these small measurements that the first opinion holds, it's only for the people that store these substances in such small amounts. But normal people, when it comes to either wine, milk, or honey, has to be also RVs. Two things. How much is RVs? RVs is 86 milliliters, which is not much. Probably is in the, if it is wide, probably is something like this. It's not much at all. And um, the, the, the argument between the first opinion that is more stringent and Rabbi Shimon has to do with a, a Mishnah previously in the previous chapter, chapter 7, that according to the rabbis, once something is important to be stored away, everybody's liable for that amount. Let me remind you of the example. A little piece of bread. Even if for a rich person, that small amount of bread wouldn't be significant. But nevertheless, since for other people it's significant, even for a rich person to take out to public domain that small amount, he would be liable. That is the rabbis. And that's why also he, the rabbis say, regarding this wine and milk and honey, even smaller amounts. But according to Rabbi Shimon, also previously he said, no, we go by the person, not by other people. So for most people to take small amount of wine is not important. So for most of the people, that small amount of wine, we're about to see how much, you wouldn't be liable. Only for the people that consider that small amount of wine to be important. Okay, so what is, let's move on to the Gemara. What is that small amount that a person would be liable, starting with wine? Tana, is being brought, is being taught in a brisa. The Mishnah said, if you take the amount of wine, that when you dilute it, you can make a, make a cup, then you're liable. The brisa at has to be a nice cup of wine. So says Gemara, asks the Gemara, my koizyafa, what is the definition of a nice cup of wine? Says Gemara, kois shel the cup used for a blessing after the meal. So if you remember, we saw it in Brachos, the alachot of benching with a cup of wine or the alachot of making kiddush and avdala with a cup of wine. So the Gemara is going to define that. So Amar Rav Nachama, Amar Rav Kos Shel Baracha, this cup for a blessing, Tzarechebo Roba Rebis, he must contain a quarter of a revis of pure wine. We're going to see also Robechon like that. Kemshem im zegenu for a person to be able to mix the wine with water. We are more than And therefore come to a revis. Now, revis means a quarter. A quarter of a log. That's the volume. And that is the revis, I told you, is like 86 milliliters. So in those days, that the wine was so concentrated, so you needed three parts of water for only one part of wine. So 
if you divide 86 milliliters into four, so it gives you almost 22 milliliters, which is almost nothing. So that is a small amount, 22 milliliters of, of wine, concentrated wine of those days. That small amount of wine, if you take it to a public domain, a person would be liable. Omar Rove, Rove holds in the same way. Therefore says, af ananamitanina, then we can see also that from our Mishnah. Let's move on to page 77. Why? We saw in the Mishnah that says, one who carries out wine would be liable for the amount to mix it with water to make one cup. We saw in the Brisa to come out with a nice cup. And what is a nice cup? We said for Birkasomazon or Kiddush, so forth. Now, Ketani Seifa continues of explaining. When the price tells us at the end what is the minimum amount for any other liquids, the Sharkolamashkin Berevis, the Mishnah said any liquid to be able to be, I mean, what is considered the minimum amount of a drink that is something important is a Revis, 86 milliliters. So, because according to Robe, you always dilute something when it comes to wine. You add three parts, three portions of water. So if we see that even regarding wine has to be the, the, the enough amount that you can make a cup of wine and a cup of wine for a blessing, that is 86 milliliters, RV is. So how much, since you need to dilute it with three portions of water, how much do you need? So a quarter of wine that together with three quarters of water, you can have a cup of wine for a blessing. So Serove, by the fact that the end of the Mishnah tells us that all drinks are already is, so we see that that is exactly the amount of wine. The amount that with that small amount un undiluted, by diluting it, you come out to a revis. So it comes out to be a quarter of a revis. And the Gemara clarifies, Rove Letame. Rove brought this proof from the Mishnah, following his own opinion. The Amar Rove, because Rove holds, Kol Hamra, the Lodari Al Hatla Semaya, any wine that doesn't contain three parts of water for each one part of wine, Lav Hamra, is not a good wine, because otherwise it's going to be very strong. So you need to always put three parts of water. To every part of wine. So that's how two Amoraim, two sages of the Gemara, learn the ratio of the Mishnah and what it comes out to be the minimum amount of wine. A quarter of a Revis. So it's about a little bit less than 22 milliliters of wine, undiluted. Nowadays it doesn't apply because nowadays all our wines are already diluted. So it would be a revise of wine. If you take out in the public domain 86 milliliters, either wine or grape juice, then you will be liable. Abaye said, Abaye is going to challenge what Robert wanted to prove from our Mishnah for two accounts. So he says, 
had uh, the first challenge, this nan, there's a different Mishnah in Nida that says, Ramazug, Shnei Chalakimayim Vechad Yain Minayen Ashirioni. The Mishnah over there in the tractate of Nida is bringing what are the color of blood that if a lady sees blood coming out of her, we consider that blood being impure. So the Mishnah says over there, if you take the wine from the Sharon, Sharon is in the coast of the Mediterranean of Israel. So they used to, they used to make wine over there. So if you take that concentrated wine from the Sharon and you mix it with two amounts of water, that would be the red color that would resemble the red color of a lady that would render her impure in her menstruation or when it comes out of her. So we see that the amount to dilute wine is two parts of water towards one part of wine. Not like Robert said, three parts of water for one part of wine. The odd and the second challenge to Robert says Avaye, Maim Becado Mitzdorfin. This person only took out the undiluted wine. Now, to make it drinkable, he needs, he needs to mix it with water. Now, he's not taking out to the public domain the water. The water is still in the barrel. So says Abaye, the water is in the barrel, in the jug, and just because he took some aspect of what is going to be mixed with the water for wine, that you bring it to be already, like it was already a final product to, to be liable? Does it make sense? So if he would be taking out already the the undiluted wine, diluted with the water. I agree with you. But he's only taking out to the public domain the small amount of undiluted wine. And the rest is sitting inside in a barrel. So how can you combine both and tell me, tell me that he took out to the public domain enough to be liable? This is Abaye's two challenges to Robe. Over Robe, Robe answered to Abaye, let me tell you. That Mishnah that you stated, saying that the color of the wine that resembles the blood to be impure is two parts of water and one of wine of the wine of the Sharon. Says, The wine of the Sharon is a different type of wine. The Rapi, it's very weak. So therefore, for the yain of the Sharon, you can only dilute it with two amounts of water because it's very weak. But the normal wine is stronger. It's more, you need more than two parts of water. You need third parts of water. So don't ask me a question from the wine of the Sharon. Inami, and also I can tell you how come there's no challenge from there. Why? Asa Mishum Chazusa. Over there in the Mishnah in Nida, that uh, proportion to dilute one part of wine 
to two of water is regarding the appearance to make it look like blood. But over there in the Mishnah Nida is not telling us how to mix wine and water to drink it. Just to, to know what is the proper color. But indeed, we can even say that the wine of the Sharon is like any other wine. And if you want to drink it, you need three parts of water. Now, if you want to know, you want to compare it to blood, okay, only diluted by two parts of water. But to drink it, you will need three parts. So how can you bring me a challenge from one topic has nothing to do with my topic? That is two challenges, two, two defenses for the first challenge. Now, what about the second challenge? But the camera is starting. When you told me, how could it be that the water is still in the barrel? He only took out the wine and yet it combines for him to be liable? Says Robert, that's not a question either. Because Lina and Chavez needed the Inan. Regarding to be liable of carrying on Chavez, as long as it's something that is significant, you're liable. And even that small amount of undiluted wine is significant, even though you haven't mixed it with water. As long as it's significant, you're liable. So Robert defended himself. Now the Gemara is going to move to a different topic. What about when that wine, for some reason, evaporates and it just remains more like in a gel type of consistency? So says the Brisa, Tana, Javesh Bekozais. If somebody carries out dry congealed wine, that would be the amount of a kazais, an olive size. And this is the way Rabbi Noson. According to opinion of Rabbi Noson. So if you take it out liquid, would be a quarter of a revis. If you take it out congealed, make more like a solid, then would be the size of an olive. Omar Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said, you know what? This teaching of Rabbi Nasan is on the same opinion that a different teaching of Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yude. So Rabbi, Rabbi Nasan, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yude, and They both hold that the same ratio applies for different alachot between something when it's liquid or something when it comes congealed. What is the other one? First of all, Rabbi Nasan, not the Amaran. Rabbi Nasan, we just spoke about it regarding the wine. Now he says Rabbi Yosef. But Rabbi Yosef, again, Rabbi Yosef is from the time of the Talmud. And now he's speaking about Rabbi Yosef, somebody from the time of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yuda in a different brisa that says, Rabbi Yuda Oimer, Rabbi Yuda taught, so, usually, Beis Ilel, they are the lenient ones. And Beis Shammai are the stringent ones. Rabbi Yudh over here is giving us six alachot where they reversed, with other way around. When Beis Shammai is the lenient, and Beis Hillel is the stringent. And one of them is Dam Nevela. Now, a Nevela 
It's an animal, a kosher animal, could be a cow, that died on its own before it was slaughtered according to Alaha, or was killed not in a ritual, not in Shechita. So the Torah, the Chumash, the, the renders a nevela, the level is called Avatuma, is the father of impurity. And that means that if it touches a person or utensils, they become impure. Now, what happens if a person touches not the, the animal itself, but touch blood that came out of the animal? According to Beis Shamai Metiarim, I'm reading the Gemara. Metiarim Metiarim, Metiarim rule that is Tower. So, according to Metiarim, only the animal itself, the flesh itself, could render somebody that touches the animal impure. But if somebody only touched the blood that came out of the animal, according to Bichamai, he's not impure. But according to Bichamai, he would become impure. There's two opinions, look in the footnotes, whether it's from the Torah or whether it's rabbinical. But according to Bichamai, somebody that touches blood of a nevela becomes impure. And on this, Commented Rabbi Yusuf and Rabbi Yudah the Tana, Avke Shetimu Beisilel, even Beisilel, they are stringent over here. Loi Timu Ela Bedam Sheyesh Borevis. They only said that somebody becomes impure when he touches blood, but only if he touches something that contains a radius of blood. Again, radius of blood has to be. 86 milliliters of blood. Only if somebody touch when that amount of blood was together, he's going to become impure. And why? Continues Rabbi Yosef Barab Yudah. Because a release of liquid blood, when it congeals, is going to be to the amount of an olive size. And one of the rules of, of a tumor of a corpse there's only tumor of a corms in the amount of a kazais. So the nevela itself can only become, if you touch the animal itself, only if you touch a piece of the animal that died without shita, the size of an olive. So there abuse but abuda, the same thing would apply regarding the blood. According to Vesilel, only if somebody touch the amount of the blood that it would congeal, we come down to the size of an olive. So we see, says, going back to the Amora, Rav Yosef, that these two opinions, Rabbi Nosson regarding wine on Shabbos, and Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah regarding the impurity of the blood of an Anevela, they both agree that a release of liquid congeals into a kazais, into an olive size. Here comes Abai again and challenges this what Rabbi Yosef just said. Who told you that these two opinions agree one another? Why not? Because the consistency of blood is different of the consistency of wine. Blood is thicker than wine. 
So says Abaye, Ratka lo kiyama rabi noso nacha deboi rabis. Maybe, so far rabi nasan has not said concerning carrying out on Shabbos that you need a rabis of liquid that, of liquid that was required that from a rabis of liquid it condenses into an zayis, into an olive Ela beyain de klish only regarding wine because, she, because it's thinner and therefore once it congeals it evaporates more and only comes to a kazais. But maybe according to Rabbi Nosan, when it comes to blood, the samich, which is thicker, kazais, lovay rabis. Maybe according to Rabbi Nosan, he would disagree with Rabbi Yoisi, and according to him, an olive sized piece would not require a rabis of blood. Maybe even less than a rabis would come out to be a kazais. And also the other way around. You took the opinion of Yudha regarding the blood of the Nevela. Maybe over there, he said the Kazai Sagilevis, that uh, olive size makes a Revis. Why? Because blood is thicker. So maybe blood that is, conge- that is congealed as a Kazai is. When it becomes liquid, it becomes a revis. But ya in the Kalish, but regarding wine, which is thinner, maybe kazais, maybe a kazais, it would become liquid, would make up more than a revis. And therefore, according to him, maybe according to him, the amount for Shabbos of, li- of liquid, wa- liquid wine. Or, or of a congealed wine may be less than a kazais. So therefore, says Abaye, you cannot bring these two opinions because blood and wine, there are different ratios of evaporating and con- congealing. Okay, I'm starting the new recording. Now, the, the rest of today, Bezrat Hashem, is going to be interesting Gemarot. Not much of an alaha. Just interesting general topics. So the Mishnah said, "Chalav How much milk, when a person takes it out on Shabbos, it's liable? Says the Mishnah, enough for a swallow. We say a full chick. Now we're going to see many questions on the Gemara in very random topics. Just trying to teach us Hebrew. So if you want to learn Hebrew, stay tuned. Iboleu, they ask, Kedei Gemia or Kedei Gemia? So if you notice the question of the Gemara, the Gemara is just asking the word Gemia, which is for a swallow, is with an Aleph or with an Ayin? If you look at the word, the letter before the hey at the very end of the letter, of the word, I'm sorry, is with an Aleph or with an Ayin. So the Gemara answers, Amar Amar from Rivka. Remember the story of Eliezer when he went to look for a wife for Yitzhak. So he made a condition to Hashem. The first lady comes out and offers to dr- for me to drink and for my camels, that you've proven to be the wife for Yitzhak. So look what it says. That when Rivka came out, she said, uh, no, 
So Eliezer asked her, Agmini na miat maimi kadech. So Eliezer asked her, give me now to swallow a bit of water from your jug. So over there is with an aleph. So we see that the gemia is with an aleph. Okay? Iboy leu. Another question of another letter. Of another letter of another word. Garinin or garinin? Pit. Okay? So you, you spell the word pit in English. In Hebrew, I'm sorry. With an aleph or with a nine? The third letter of the word of pit is with an aleph or with a nine? So that is the question. Garinin or garinin? Amarabavarule. It says, Venigra me erkecha. So he quotes a verse regarding somebody selling a field that an owner of a field in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, the fields belong to a person forever. And even if a person sold the field in the Yovel every 50 years, the field will come back to a person. So a person sold the field and after some years he wants to bring it back to redeem it. So he needs to pay back the money that he got by selling the field. And the Pasuk says how much money he has to give back. So he needs to discount how many years already passed that he already benefited from having the field by him. So that says over there the Pasuk, the word venigra, and it shall be deducted from your evaluation the amount of years that he already worked on the field. So the same thing, a pit, garin, is from the same root, nigra garin, that is to deduct, deduct the amount of flesh of the fruit. So if you have a fruit, so whatever the amount of a pit in the fruit that you don't have of a fruit. So it's the same root. So we see from the verse that the word garin is with an ayin. Okay. Another word. Now, Max, you are with Gary holding at the end of chapter 6 on Brachos. So this, this question the Gemara asks is over there. At the end of chapter 6 of Brachos, the word Omemois is with an Aleph or with a Nine? The word Omemois means something that is going to become dimmed. Okay? Fire. That is become dim. So, the, the Gemara of the Brachos brings this verse. This verse is in the prophet Yeheskel, Ezekiel, speaking about the punishment God is going to give to Egypt. And God is telling, telling Egypt, listen what happened to Assyria. And describing Assyria that then was conquered by Babylonia, and Assyria was such a powerful nation, and in a metaphor that even the cedars will not dim his splendor, speaking of Assyria. In the garden of Hashem, even the cedars of Ganadon. So this is a praise given to Assyria. 
And we see the word edim, amemu, is with an ayin. So we see that the word edim is with an ayin. Another word, yivoyleu, me'amtin t'nan or me'amtin. So later on, a Mishnah is going to speak about a person that died on Shabbos. So the word me'amtzim is with an aleph or with a nine. So we're looking at the fundamental number seven. We're talking about closing the eyes of somebody that died on Shabbos. And that's the words me'amtzim. So a person is not allowed to close the eyes of a deceased on Shabbos because a deceased is mukse. So therefore, that word me'amtzim, to close his eyes, is with a nine or with an aleph? That is the question. So says the Gemara again, Omar Yochanan. It says in the verse, One who averts that closes his eyes from seeing evil, he's in Ishayahu, he's the virtues of a righteous person. And that can protect the Jewish people against Hashem's anger. And we see that the word to close the eyes is with an ayin. So that answers that question. Okay, we're going to go back to these type of topics. But the Gemara moves on to the next part of the Mishnah. So, uh, regarding milk. So, Tanabanan, it says in the Brisa, Amoitzi Chalav Shel Be'ema. One who takes out milk of an animal, G'day Gemia. So, we spoke, remember, of a kosher cow or sheep, any kosher animal that you can drink the milk. So, the amount is enough to swallow it. Now, Chalav Shel Isha. Now, what about taking out in public domain milk of a woman? The, we're going to see soon in the Bryce and the Gemara what people would do with milk of a lady. Or loving Shevetsa, or the white of a, reg, of a raw egg. Why? Because To put it on the as an application of a kilor, shell kilor, shell kilor. So again, kilor is a paste that you mix it with a liquid and you use it as an ointment. Now, that they would dilute it either with water or with woman milk or with the white of an egg. So that's what the brush is saying. Even a small amount of a lady's milk or white of an egg that you can use as a liquid with, with this paste of the killer to make an ointment, you will be liable. Now, the other way around, the killer, if somebody takes the paste, the killer, the small amount that it would be enough to mix it with water. So, ask Rabashi, boy Rabashi. When the Brisa said that a person would be liable to take that on Shabbos, enough to be mixed the kilor for the eyes. What is the amount? Just to put directly in the in the eye? Or 
when you first put it in your fingers, and then from your fingers you put it in your eye, which be a little of a bigger amount than just the amount that you put straight into the eye. But the Gemara says, take, we don't know exactly what of the, these two. Going in the next part of the Mishnah, honey enough to place on a sore. Sotana says a price, to place on the head of a sore, which is again a smaller amount of honey, not to put in the entire sore, just in the head of the sore. But again, Ravashi asks the question, how much? Al katis apuma de kulekosis. When the Brisa says that enough honey to place on the head of the sore, does it mean on the face of the entire sore? Madilma amursha kama de kosis. Or perhaps it means just upon the highest place, point the tip of the sore, which would be a lesser amount. La porky or the another law. But then it would exclude all the area around it, around the top, that is not included on this calculation, and therefore a lesser amount of honey you will be liable. And again the Gemara says take uh, yeah, we don't we don't really know. Continuing Amaraviud Amarab. Rabbi the name of Rab. Everything that the Holy One blessed be He created in His world. Nothing was created needlessly. That you cannot benefit from it. So he's going to give us an example. He created the slug. It's like a little like worm, whatever, as a remedy for a sore. So you see, you can ask, why do we need, for what do we need slugs in the world? Now you know, it's a remedy for a sore. But as let's see that. The fly, you can crush the fly if you got stung by a hornet and use that what you crush the fly to put it as an uh, on, on, uh, as a, um, you put it on top of the, where the hornet sting you, and it would uh, s- soothe the pain. Yetush le nechash. The gnat, what it is for? If you were bitten by a snake, crush a gnat and put it over there. And even the nachash, even the snake can help le chafufis. If you were, if a boils, then you can take, uh, we're going to see soon the Gemara, snakes, and with help to soothe the boils. Usimamis lacrab. And a spider. That can also help you to cure if you were, if so, for the sting of a scorpion. So you put it over there and it helps you. So we see that even these creatures, that seems to be. What is the point of having these creatures in the world? So they help you as remedies. Now, but the, the things themselves, like the scorpion and, and, the, and the bees and the hornet, why did Hashem create them? So Hashem created them as going soon to punish the arrogant people and the sinners. Now, just clarifying how to use snakes to cure your boils. So, 
you need to bring to bring one black snake and one white snake, then you cook them, and then you rub uh, with the whatever the with the cooking of the snakes in your boil, the mixture, and it's gonna cure you. Tanrabanan is studying Abraisa. Hamisha Amosen. There are five things, five fears, Amos Halashal Gibor. Where the, the fear of the weak one is gonna be gonna be upon the strong one. And this is what I said that this is for the arrogant not to think that he's so strong that nobody can against him. We're gonna see. Amos Mafgia al Ari, the fear of the Mafgia upon the lion. So in the footnotes explain the Mafgia is a little animal, either because he's very noisy. And when he starts making noise, the lion thinks a big animal is coming and go, goes running. But somebody then explains the that no, in truth, that animal has very sharp, very, the, how you call it, the um, claws. And actually can put it in the brains of the lion and kill it. So. Even the, the, the lion, as mighty as he is, there's a little animal that can kill it. Amos Yatush al-Apil, the fear of the gnat upon the elephant, can go in the trunk and the elephant cannot get, a, get rid of it. Amos Semamis al-Akrab, the fear of the spider upon the scorpion. A little spider can go into the ear of a scorpion and drive him mad. Amos Sinunis al-Anesher, the fear of the swallow upon the eagle, also under the eagle's wings. And Amos Kilbis al Leviathan. And the fear of the Kilbis, which is a little fish that can go into the Leviathan, which has, is a huge whale, and also cause serious damage to the whale. So we see that a person shouldn't be arrogant because even a little thing can destroy him. You know, in Titus, the Gemara in Gitting, we saw it in, in Tisha B'Av. Titus, the one that destroyed the second temple, he was so arrogant. And Hashem sent a little insect and went through his nose into his brain. And that ended up killing him. So a person should be arrogant. And what is the source for this? It says, Hashem, he, he who causes the weak to triumph over the powerful. So Hashem can use these little animals to destroy much stronger ones. Now we're going to move on to interesting questions. Rabbi Zera Ashkach le Rabbi Yude. Rabbi Zera once saw Rabbi Yude de Amora, de Avakoi Apischa de Bechamua. That Rabbi Yude was standing at the door of his father-in-law. Chaze de Ava Bedicha Daite. Rabbi Zera noticed Rabbi Yudah was very, very happy. Interesting. Seems to be had a good relationship with his father-in-law. Maybe he gave him a, 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 good, a good amount of money or something like that. So, says Rabbi Zera, If I'm going to ask him now about anything in the world, he's going to for sure tell me Rabbi Yudah was very knowledgeable about everything in the world. And Rabbi Zera previously didn't want to ask him, but now was a good moment. So he's asking many questions. Now, we're going to see in the Gemara 
like what it seems to be very simple, very not so meaningful questions and answers. But there's very deeper meanings in a spiritual way of all this. There's no time for me, sorry, to, to go through each one of them. The Marasha explains them beautifully. So we shouldn't take just like face value. There's a lot of depth in these questions in spiritual things. Omar Lay, my Tama is a Mazgan Beresha. Why is the reason that always the dark goats walk in the front of the flock? They are that imbri, and then be, be, be behind them, the sheep follow them. So Amalek, he replied to him, This is follow creation of the world. First, First comes the dark, and only after comes the light. So that's why these dark colored goats go at the head. This can be a symbol to Asaph. Asaph is Rome, Western society. So Western society seems to be very powerful. So why throughout the last 2000 years they are much more powerful than the Jewish people? And the answer is, yeah, by Yere by First comes darkness, first Hashem gives power to them, at the end Meshach is going to come and power is going to go back to the Jewish people. Another question, my time, Ani, why is the reason that the hindquarters of the sheep are covered by a tail while the hindquarters of the goats are exposed? Their tail doesn't cover them. So again, Rabbi Zer asking Rabbi Yudi. Uh, so he replied, the sheep that they cover themselves, that we cover ourselves with the clothes made out of the wool that we sheared from them. So Mechaisen, also they are covered. It's like a relationship in what they give to cover others, therefore Hashem covers them with the tails. But the goats, since we don't cover ourselves with their shearings, because usually the hair of the, of the goat is too thick, we only make sacks, but no clothing. So Megalia, and that's why they are exposed. Another question. My Tama Gamla Zutar Genubte. Where is the reason that the camel has a small tail? So he said, Mishum de Achal Kisei, because it thorns. So therefore, if it would have a long tail, it can get damaged. He's always among th uh, thorny bushes. So that's why she made him small tails. Another. Um, Another question. What is the reason that an ox has a long tail? So he answered, Because these animals, they live in the, in the swamps, swamp lands, and therefore they need a long tail to chase away the nuts. Okay, another question. Why is the reason that the horns or the antennas of a locust, some say is an ant, are soft? Again, everything has deeper meanings. He answered, Because they dwell among willows, and therefore they need them to be flexible. 
because if these antennas were rigid, Nadia Umisavia and they would be dislodged and the locus the, the locus will will be blinded. The Amar Shmuel because Shmuel taught Ayman devoy delisme lekamza. If you wish to blind the locust or an ant, le shlufrineu lekarne. Remove these antennas. Another question. My tama aitimbra de tarnegolta mila leila. Why is the reason that the lower eyelid of the rooster raises up? Usually it's the other way around, right? In everybody else, the top one goes down. And by a rooster, the down goes up. So he said, the daily adape. Because the roosters dwell on boards and beams, and usually smoke go up there. So therefore, yaili kutra, if the smoke would go up into the eyes, misava, they would become blinded. So therefore, Hashem put in the, the eyelids going from down up, and the smoke cannot get into their eyes. Another question, but now is regarding words. From now until the end, today, Bezat Hashem, he's going to ask why these are the names of the nouns in Aramaic. Dasha. Dasha means door. So why in Aramaic a door is called Dasha? So he says, Derech Sham. So we're going to see on these answers that these words in Aramaic are a contraction of two words that convey the meaning of that word. So door means Derech Sham. Is the way to the house is there. So it's a contraction of the two words Derech Sham, Dasha. Then the word Darga, which means a ladder. Why is like that? Because Darga is Derech Gag. That is a way to go to the roof. So in the past, they would have ladders, and through the ladders, you go to the roof. So we see that the name of these nouns are really an expression, a contraction of words describing what they are. Mascolisa. So this Mascolisa is a dipping sauce, like the Kutach. There was some type, type of dip of, of a cheese with a sourdough. So it means Matayti Chleda. People would wonder when this will be finished. Either it was, it was a large amount of dips and people would use it for a long time. So people would wonder, oh, until when this is going to last for us. Beisa. Beisa is house in Aramaic. So where, where the word Beisa come from? Bo Beiseva. From the three words, come and sit in it. Then Bixa. Bixa, it's a cramped house. Why? Because it's be acta. <coughs> Two words. It's a narrow, small place. Then Kufta. Kufta is a mortar that, uh, why is called mortar Kufta? It says Kufesiv. Tip it over and sit on it. Livni, which Livni is bricks. Because it's Livnei Venei. Because they endure for one children and children. If you build with bricks, the building is going to last for the children of your children. That's why it's called Livni, from the word Ben, child. Then Utsa. Utsa is a fence made out of not strong material. So Chatzitza. Because Utsa is from the word Chatzitza, 
which is a partition, but it won't last long. Then chatva. So chatva is a barrel. Why? Because it mines, so to say, the water from the river. Kuza. Kuza is a small earthen jug. Kaze. Because it's so small, the kuza is kaze, just like this. Another word, shutisa. So shutisa is a myrtle. Why? Because it's from the same root of word, shtusa. Shtusa means like you look like a fool. Because in those days, people would dance with myrtle um, little things to be mesameach hosan vekala. So the way they made themselves like clowns just to make hosan and kala happy. So it's from the word shtus, like stupidity, because they use it to, 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 like a stupid thing. Meshichla. Meshichla is a washing uh, trough. Why? Moshei Hula. Because it washes all. This was used to wash kalot, brides. I know that's only the next one. No, this is, this is, I'm sorry, this, this is a large trough that contains water for many people to wash their feet. I'm sorry. The other one, Mashchilsa. This is the one, Masha Chalsa. This is washes a chala, a kala, kalta, for a bride. It was bigger and commonly used just for the brides to wash in it. Asisa. This is a hand mortar. Why? Hasilsa. With a tab, because it was lacking. It was like a board with a hole on it. So it's one from the word Haser. This is something that is lacking something, so you can use it over there like a mortar. Then Buchna, the pestle of the mortar. Why is called Buchna? From the words Bo Vakena. Come and strike it. Okay? Lebusha. Lebusha is a garment. It's from the words Lo Vusha. Because the garment helps you not to be embarrassed. You cover yourself with a garment. Glima, which is an overcoat. Shenesabo kegolem. Because when you wear one of these overcoats, it's like a poncho. You look like a golem, like a shapeless form. You know these huge ponchos? Nobody can see your body. Gulsa. This is a fine cape. Gali the Asim. Because he reveals himself by folding it up before he sits. This is because people wouldn't sit on top of it because they didn't want it to become dirty. Um, so they will lift it up. So that's why it's called like that. Puria. Puria is a bed in Aramaic. From the word Prurvu. Sheparim Beravi Malea. Because people pro, 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 I say pro, pro, <laughs> you, you, I say, you fruitful and multiply procreation. Procreation, yeah, that's the word, procreation, okay? Prurbu, people, husband and wife are together on top of the bed for prurbu, for to be fruitful and multiply. Borzinka, a dried out water pit, why it's called Borzinka? Borze, naki, this is a contraction of three words. This pit is clean, it's 
dry. Sudra. Sudra is a turban that the sages would use. From the word Sod Hashem The secrets of Hashem are revealed to those who fear Hashem. So, again, the turban of the sages is called Sudra from the word Sod Hashem. They, to them, Hashem reveals his secrets. Apadna, that is a, a palace. Why you call it like that? A pizchadein. Because everybody is going to go through that door, either to serve the king or to stand in judgment in front of the kid. And the last one, Tanabanan, Shlosha, Kosman, Shemaskinin, Mosif, and Gvura. There are three creatures. The older they get, the stronger they, they become. Veloen, Dak, Nochash, Vechazir. The fish, the snake, and the swine. Let's leave it here today. Have a great rest of the week. Bezat Hashem. See you tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Bezat Hashem.